Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Big stories, big guests, the big picture. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge. Weekdays 1230 to 3, 770 CHQR. All right, well, as long as I've been in media, and yeah, it's kind of depressing how big that number is in terms of uh, how many years I've been doing this. But uh, look, it's always been clear. We don't report on suicides, right? And there's good reason for that, and I understand that. Now, it can it, we get into this realm where, well, what if... Someone whose death would otherwise be newsworthy takes their own life. Now, I don't want to start getting taxed from hyperpartisans by throwing out any actual names. But let's say a political leader took his or her own life. Obviously, that would be a huge news story. I don't think we'd have any choice but to report on it. And that's been the case with, with celebrities who have, who have died and later turned out uh, took their own lives. But the way in which we report it matters. There was a study recently we talked about that, that suggested that media coverage of Robin Williams' suicide might have led to an increase in the suicide rate in the United States. And that's kind of alarming because you wouldn't expect that sort of thing to happen. So maybe there is something about how we communicate this and the responsibility we have. Uh, as as gatekeepers of information, almost. I don't know that we cannot report on these things to try to hide this information, right? If somebody prominent passes away, I mean, they, that has to be reported. So th- this may prove to be helpful. The Canadian Psychiatric Association has released a policy paper, Media Guidelines for Reporting on Suicide. I want to find a, a bit more about what it is we're trying to accomplish and how we do it. Uh, Dr. Mark Senior joins us, lead author of the guidelines and a psychiatrist at Sunnybrook Health Sciences Centre in Toronto. Dr. Senior, thanks for joining us here. Welcome to the program. Thank you for having me. All right, well, first of all, why do we need these guidelines in the first place? Uh, I actually thought that you did a pretty good job of uh, articulating the reason. I mean, one is that we know that they're, um, you know, unfortunately in, in these uh, you know, some very unfortunate cases, you can end up with a copycat phenomenon where people can learn uh, uh, the, basically the wrong thing to do. Um, you're correct in what you said that um, often when reports come out of uh, celebrities or other important figures who die by suicide that people identify with, that you can see an increase in suicide rates. Um, there are some important counterexamples to that, though, and the one that I would, I would put forward as a start is uh, the death of Kurt Cobain, which now has happened a long time ago, the singer f- uh, for Nirvana. One of the interesting things when they analyzed the media reporting that happened after his death was that the, the message was very clear, which was, great guy, wonderful music, wrong thing to do. If you're like him, go seek help. And it was one of the few instances that was like that, quite different than Robin Williams. And one of the findings of the studies looking after his death was actually that uh, there wasn't an increase in deaths in Seattle where he lived in in that area, um, but actually there was a significant increase in in calls to crisis lines. Um, And so it really makes a big difference how we report on this. Well, yeah, it clearly does. I mean, there's not really an option to not report, though, right, in, in some of those situations, is there? 
Yeah, I mean, we've, and we've, we've talked about that. I mean, to be honest, the guidelines are not actually so much focused on that. We, you know, we recognize that the public, I mean, first of all, it's very important. We're not trying to censor journalists, and I don't think anybody's talking about that, especially in this day and age. It's very important that journalists can say whatever they want. Um, but one of the issues that we try to get across in the guidelines is actually the overwhelming majority of people who contemplate suicide don't die by suicide. And one of the difficulties with these kinds of reports is that they sometimes send a skewed message to people which suggests that that's the, you know, that's the option or that's the correct option. And in fact, one of the most interesting studies in the area was done by one of my colleagues, Thomas Niederkrotenthaler in Austria, who basically found that media reports in Austria um, that took the following form, John was thinking about suicide, um, but he realized something was wrong and he didn't act on it. And instead, he went to the General Hospital of Vienna and he got diagnosed with bipolar disorder. And now he's on a good treatment and he's living well. Um, reports like that, which actually are much more the norm in, in reality, um, uh, were associated in Austria with a statistically significant decreased uh, rate of deaths. So, you know, while you know, we want to talk about how to safely report people about people who might have died, these very tragic instances, rare instances that have happened, um, what we're really in part encouraging the media to do is when they do report on suicide, uh, to really contextualize for people that um, there's no reason anyone needs to die from, from this, um, that there are paths to resilience, that that's what most people do. And in the rare instance where someone does die, it's a tragic missed opportunity to get help. Right. And I think by the same token, though, we don't want to be seen to be, you know, dumping on the person who has died to say, well, I, what a what a foolish and stupid thing that was for them to do. So and to be perfectly frank in our uh, discussions uh, in, you know, amongst the scientific community, it's a small community that looks at this. We, we struggle with that as well. Um, and, and certainly I don't think anyone wants to suggest that, um, you know, the, the reality back to the idea that what we really want people to present is the reality. The, the vast majority of people who die by suicide, virtually all of them suffer from a demonstrable mental disorder. And so we definitely don't want people to say bad things about them. But I think the thing that we do want people to highlight is that it was a tragic missed opportunity that that mental disorder could have uh, been addressed, the person could have gotten help, um, and that there's no reason that anybody who might have looked up to that person needs to follow their example. Now, this, this report or these guidelines also suggest that, you know, that, uh, for example, that health reporters maybe should uh, be the ones to, to help contextualize these stories or, or report on these stories. But obviously, in, in this era, not every media outlet has, you know, specific health reporters or has reporters who have that kind of background. Right. And, and so one of the things we say is ideally health reporters would look at it, but if not, at least, at least have a look at the, at the guidelines, um, because if people aren't aware of the ethical issues that go along with this, then um, they may inadvertently send the wrong message. You know, it's, and, you know, it's a very exciting time in terms of mental health. Uh, we're really, as a society, starting to really understand how it works, um, how disorders can happen, how to get treatment. And, uh, and I think, you know, really the whole purpose is just to have, um, to really change the dialogue. I run a, an outpatient mood disorders program and, uh, you know, my patients come in and they, they may have suicidal thoughts. And, uh, and, and we talk a lot about how that's a signal of something. Um, but a lot of psychiatric um, disorders involve sig- sort of missignaling. So, for example, if someone has a panic disorder, they might think that they have a heart attack. 
But if you have a heart attack, it's very different what, how you're going to behave uh, compared to whether you're having a panic attack. And so we teach people in those circumstances how to identify that a heart attack, the thought I'm having a heart attack might mean I'm having a panic attack. In the same way, we want to disseminate the idea, which I do in my office all the time, that if someone thinks, I don't want to live anymore, that that signals something hidden. There's a hidden meaning, and the hidden meaning is, I'm not well, my coping strategies have been overwhelmed, I need to reach out. The guidelines also talk about the, the method of suicide, that if, if we have a story like a high-profile individual such as Robin Williams, where we need to report the news, report that they've died, and that they, they, they died via suicide, this recommends, though, that that's as far as we go, that we don't go into detail about how they took their own life. Why, why would that be significant? Yeah, I mean, I think the, so first of all, it's, it's essentially, that's one of the recommendations that ex, there are recommendations by the World Health Organization and by different countries throughout the world. And that's one of the recommendations that is universally uh, in all of the guidelines. And I think the major reason is that when we're reporting on suicide, the goal is not, again, to, to give a kind of a how-to on how to do that uh, to, to vulnerable people who may be listening. Um, but if you're going to give contextual information to explain the how-to of how to seek help. And so the other thing that we have in in the guidelines that are pretty universally there are strategies like crisis lines, uh, kind of panic buttons if it's an online uh, report that where someone is looking at it and they might be able to embed it within the story. Um, we want to encourage healthy behaviors. Uh, and there's also the need that I guess if these stories are going to uh, appear to also have information available so that people are reading these stories and, and they're going through a tough time or, or they're dealing with these issues that, that we can at least help to point them in, in the right direction where they can go to get help. Right. And I mean, there's lots of, uh, you know, it's not that the healthcare system is perfect. There's no question that there are issues, but there are a lot of people who care. There are, um, you know, emergency departments, crisis lines, outpatient clinics, and so on, mood disorders associations. Um, and so one of the things that actually has been challenging traditionally is that in print journalism, people have only a certain amount of space. And so they say, well, we can't have a whole list of crisis resources or links or things like that. But of course, now that everything is online and digital, um, one of the options is actually to embed um, all of those things at the end of a story um, so that people who are triggered by it or feel like they need to reach out can do that. I mean, have you seen instances, I mean, we, we don't often have these stories, fortunately, where, where we do need to report on them. It's not very common that, that high-profile individuals uh, take their own life. But uh, do, do we have examples or have you come across examples in the past where a story like this occurs you go online or you pick up a newspaper and you read something and you just, you know, you, you shake your head or you're, you're shocked at what, what seems to be a very irresponsible way of, of, of covering it. Yeah, I mean, I, definitely it's, it's happened. I, I think actually the Robin Williams case was a, was a good example. I thought that the initial coverage of it where they, uh, I was watching the night that he, he had died and um, they had talked about what a wonderful career he'd had and how we want to celebrate his life and um, that we don't necessarily want to focus on, you know, how he died and all of the, the details and things. Um, that, that was quite good. And then the, the following um, set of nights that, you know, more details were coming in and, you know, they tried to extend the story and I think included a lot of information that was not that helpful and, and didn't spend a lot of time, um, at least the, 
you know, television that I'd watched um, talking about uh, contextualizing it within the context of mental health and uh, how to get help and so on. Um, so definitely it's happened. But I, I would just say journalists uh, as a group, I think, are very in tune to this, just like the whole population. And everybody that I've spoken to, including a couple of journalists who helped author the guidelines, are really interested in changing the discourse on the topic. Um, and so where, where we've seen these kinds of, you know, um, reports that have not been so uh, ideal, I think has been well-meaning people who just weren't thinking that carefully about what, their, what the impact of what they were saying was. Well, we're going to read more. Uh, it's cpa-apc.org uh, for the Canadian Psychiatric Association. Dr. Senior, thank you so much for joining us here today. I appreciate this. My pleasure. Take care. Uh, it's Dr. Mark Senior, uh, lead author of these guidelines, and uh, he's also a psychologist at Sunnybrook Health Sciences Center in Toronto. Our number here, 974-8255. We're back with more right after this. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.